Please do sit down. Let us pray together. So in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Every year at this time of year, we, we tend to hear from certain bodies. And those certain bodies tend to be announcing the words that have impacted our world over the past year. They're the words that have kind of struck a chord with the masses of the people and have entered the global vernacular of the vocabularies that we talk about. As it happens, one of those bodies, the Collins English Dictionary, decided that their word of 2017, well, it isn't a word, it's a phrase, but their word is this, fake news. Fake news. And they, they defined fake news as the false, often sensational information disseminated under the guise of, of news reporting. Of course, we were either missing for a long period of time from this world to know that fake news began from, if you like, often the words of Donald Trump as he derided the traditional news media during the presidential election campaign. But it spread much wider than that because it's often used as well to talk about how certain news stories become popular and credible when in reality they're false. And sometimes it can be hard to spot a fake news story, which is why if you heard the reports this week, the BBC have launched this national campaign into the schools in the UK to help teenagers and young people spot a fake news story from a real news story. And it then got me thinking. It got me thinking about how we today view the Christmas story through the words that we've heard tonight and what might get labelled as fake news today according to that definition. Maybe it would be the wise men being led by a star. Maybe it would be the angelic visitations to Joseph and Mary. But if you know anything about Luke's Gospel, where all of our Bible readings were taken for this service, you will know that when he wrote the biography of Jesus' life, he explored all the evidence. He interviewed all the eyewitnesses. And he was going to draw together the best accurate possible explanation of what happened that first Christmas. And the question behind fake news is the question that is often asked of the Bible today. It's this. How do I know what I'm reading or what I'm viewing is really a truthful and accurate encounter of what really happened? It's a question that's been asked of the Bible for at least 300 years. And if you've spent any time in your life answering that question and not listening to the sound bites of anybody else, you will know this that the Old and New Testament are the most trusted documents in antiquity. They have been scurried through and scrutinized by some of the most cleverest people in the world. And they have been proven to be the truth. Yet the biggest piece of fake news 
for many is central to the Christmas story, isn't it? It's not the angelic visitation to Joseph and Mary. It's not the wise men being led by a star. It's a virgin falling pregnant. You see, at the heart of the Christmas story and therefore the heart of Christianity is the claim that a woman who had never had sex before became pregnant. It kind of fits the definition of fake news that I mentioned earlier. How can anyone believe in a virgin birth and yet retain their intellectual credibility? Well, one of the words that is used every year in the Christmas story because it's recorded in Luke's biography of Jesus' life is the word that we hear at the end of Jesus' story. It's a word used of Mary to describe how she feels after the visit of the shepherds and what the shepherds have told them about what the angel have said, who Jesus will be and what he means. It won't win any accolades for the word of the year. But it will make any difference to your life. It's the word ponder. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The Greek word for, for ponder implies to have a conversation with yourself. That you would kind of keep on discussing it over and over and over in your head, that you'd never let the moment be forgotten, but rather that you would keep hold of it by discussing it with yourself again and again to see how special this moment was and what it means. It's a word that implies that the Christmas story, in Mary's own words, has moved from beyond her head, how can this be, to a place where it becomes real in her heart. Here am I. The servant of the Lord, let it be according to your word. So here are a few thoughts to ponder. Like Mary would have pondered and continued to think about herself. Three reasons, if you like, that you can kind of hold to belief in the virgin birth without having to suspend your ability to think. And as you ponder, remember this. We get trained in our culture of the day, not to believe in the supernatural. Just like Mary got conditioned in the culture of her day that God could not become a human being. And so firstly, when I, when I think about it, I ponder this, and I ponder if there is a God, and remember, nobody can ever prove that there is a God or not disprove there is a God. But if there is a God, I kind of ponder this. I kind of expect, in fact, I'd more than expect, I'd demand it. I'd demand that his actions would be far bigger, far greater than any other human being and far beyond my possible capability to understand. I would demand it because otherwise he wouldn't be God. And as Gabriel said to Mary, for nothing is impossible with God. Or as Jesus, when he was grown up, said to the rich young ruler, what is impossible with mortals is possible with God. And then secondly, I kind of ponder this. 
I ponder that medical science today has proven that it's possible to get pregnant without having sex by someone they've never met. I know this is true because it's happened in the past seven years in St. Juan. And I baptised the child. That's how I know. And so you're all going to wonder now who it is. You see, if this was God who came upon Mary and his power overshadowed her, as Luke records, then God was surely perfectly capable of doing supernaturally what doctors whom he created 21 centuries later are now able to do their way medically. Or thirdly, I'd ponder this. I'd ponder what happened to this teenager called Mary and this man called Joseph. Especially Joseph. I'd consider how he was going to ditch Mary when he found out about her being pregnant because as far as he could see, Mary had cheated on him. Yet he then somehow changes his mind. And he marries despite the taunts despite the abuse that he would get, never mind Mary would get, as a result of their actions. We'll never get the proof. But that does not mean it is impossible, for all things are possible with God. It is mysterious, but it doesn't demand that we suspend our ability to think. You see, this word ponder reminds us of something. It reminds us of this, that at the heart of the real Christmas story isn't a fake news story, but a faith news story. And that does not mean a blind faith story. Because nowhere in the real Christmas story, nowhere in the readings that we've heard, does Mary suspend her ability to think. Nowhere does she just adopt a blind faith approach. She ponders. And as she ponders, her faith grows. When she meets Gabriel, she's clearly on edge questioning what on earth is going on, as anyone would do when they encounter an angel. Because everyone is scared when they encounter an angel. She questions, am I really seeing an angel? And then she she questions once more, how can she be pregnant when she's been nowhere near a baby-making situation? You know, Mary doubts Mary questions, she uses her reason, and she even questions just as much as we must today if we are going to have faith. Because ponder this, as I often do, everything in life comes down to faith. The fact of what you're doing now comes down to faith. That you are sat on that pew hoping that it's not going to break with you sat on it. Or how the world began. Or what happens when you leave this earth. Or the virginal conception of Jesus. Everything in life comes down to faith. And if you were here in this place three weeks ago, you would have heard me say that faith is closely connected in life with three other words. Those three other words are these. Risk and fear and failure. And that's what Mary finds out that day when Gabriel visits. The risk of what will happen next to her. Especially in the culture of that day. 
the danger to her life. Then there's the fear. The fear of not only being visited by an angel, but the fear of being all alone with what angel Gabriel had said to her. And then there's the failure. The failure of public disgrace. Not to mention the guaranteed scandal and scathing destruction to her reputation by being pregnant and not married in the first century culture. You know, this is what God asks of someone. He doesn't ask it of an 80-year-old at the end of their life. He doesn't even ask it at a 40-year-old at the middle of her life. He asks it of what would have been someone who would have been at best 13 to 15 years old. Like some of you here tonight. That's what God asks. Or despite the risk, despite the fears, despite the failures, Mary had the faith to recognize who this child would become as the Son of God. And she would sacrifice her own reputation and safety by understanding her unique place in bringing salvation to the world. The question of faith is always the question of who. The question of faith is never about us. The question of faith is about who we put our faith in. If we put our faith in the risks in life, if we put our faith in the fears of life, if we put our faith in the failures of life, the risks, the fears, the failures win every time. If we put our faith in Jesus, for that is what Jesus wants us to see him as, someone who is and can overcome everything, then it makes all the difference, for nothing is impossible with God. We began our service by asking that question, did Mary really know? Did Mary really know she was carrying the Son of God in her womb and what that meant? Maybe she hadn't grasped the total significance of what would occur, but she knew this. She knew the risks were great. She knew the fears were huge. She knew the failure would be catastrophic, but she also knew this. She knew that this was no ordinary meeting with Gabriel, and she knew something else. Expressed in that song of praise, the traditional version we call the Magnificent, but she knew this, that she was the only one who would know the glory of bringing the Savior of the world into the world. And quite interestingly, what do we call that baby at Christmas time. We call him the Word. The Word made flesh. And she never forgot this moment for the rest of her life. Well, you wouldn't, would you? And she kept on pondering it over and over again in her heart. And so tonight, as I finish, I leave it with this. Jesus is still looking for people today who will dare to say yes, Lord. Who will dare to ask And say, Lord, use me to continue to bring about the salvation of the world in this parish of St. Juan, in this island of Jersey. Jesus is still looking for people today who will pursue him and follow him, even when it doesn't make sense. And Jesus is still looking for people today who will say to him in the words of Mary, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. 
Why don't we stand together as we pray? I want to give an invitation, first of all, to those who may have been pondering about Jesus. Maybe you come to this service this year, your life might be all sorted out or your life might be in pieces. Because I guarantee that will be some of you in this room. And maybe you've never really thought of Jesus in this way as the saviour of the world. But even more as your saviour. And so I invite you this evening to put your faith in him. You know, every day Jesus knocks at the door of our hearts. And sometimes we can just become immune to it because it just gets lost. Or we've become so used to the sound. And so I'm going to pray this prayer. And if that's you this evening who just wants to say, Lord, I want to put my faith in you for the first time, then just say this prayer in your hearts as I pray it. Thank you, God, for loving me before I ever loved you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that I can get connected to you now because you are alive today. I admit that I have lived my life without you and have messed up. And I ask for your total forgiveness and I commit myself to you. Help me to submit my life to your teaching. And direction from now on. I receive you into my life. And I ask you to fill me. With your Holy Spirit. Amen. And secondly we pray this. This is the second invitation this evening. Maybe you've been following Jesus for years. Or maybe just for six months. But where in your life do you look at the risks? Where do you look at the fears? Where do you look at the possible failures? Rather than having faith in your Saviour. And so this prayer is for you. Mighty Lord, give me a bigger vision of Jesus to overcome the risks and the fears and the failures I've had in following you. Help me to ponder afresh the word made flesh and how you came to be with us. Help me to live my life by the words, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.